listening to Give God 90, where we're not afraid of the tough biblical questions, because we will dig through the language, the culture, and the history to find the truth revealed in the words of our Creator. Hello, everyone. We thank you so much for spending some time with us just whenever you are. So, uh, I thought you were going to say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm... Uh, being supervised this evening very closely which is probably a good thing <clears throat> um before i get into too much i i want to let everyone know who actually listens to the first part of this um i had to do something a little while ago i didn't want to do and hope, was hoping i wouldn't have to but i actually had to change the settings on uh, one of the social media accounts i have uh some people were trying to use uh my personal page as a fundraising site and without asking. Now, a couple of people had asked and I allowed that. It was fine because they, I know that they were legitimate folks who were trying to uh, serve legitimate purposes. But then a couple of others kind of snuck in there and uh, without asking. So, I basically made sure that, uh, you know, I can't stop you from tagging me in a post, right? So what I did was set it up so that I'm the only one that can seize it when you do. <laughs> it doesn't go any farther than me. So that way uh, I know what's going on. And, and quite honestly, I don't have time to police all that kind of stuff. It's, it's that simple. I, you know, I get, Almost a hundred messages, emails, texts, some type of communication every day. And if all you think we're good for here is fundraising or I'm going to donate to some cause, you're barking up the wrong tree. I get to choose where my money goes. I get to spend it. It's mine. What we do is we teach you how to live so that you can receive the same blessings we did. And that way, the Almighty, if you have a legitimate ministry, if you are serving legitimately, you will receive what you need, and he will make sure that you get it, just like he did with us. You know, what I, I mentioned the donate button on the website once every four, six, eight weeks, something like that. Right. And, you know, it's not great big. It's not the first thing you see. You have to hunt for it. We're not out there to take your money. But if you want to give it to us, we'll, we'll accept it. It'll help keep the ministry going. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, if you really uh, are blessed by it and you want others to, to be blessed, by all means, you know, hit the donate button. But if you don't, somebody else will. And when nobody else does, the Almighty himself will reach down and say, here, That's here's it. some more. That's it. It's that simple. But there's so many people out there today who are not legitimate. I don't have time to scrutinize you. It, it, you know, it's just that simple. So, no, don't waste my time. Don't waste the time of the people who follow us. Don't waste the time of the people who have legitimate needs. If you're one of the charlatans out there who don't, it's that simple. Um, 
So, yeah, I was a little perturbed. Which kind of goes along with the message tonight, too, but that's just beside the point. You know, it's just kind of been building to this. So you might, you might get an attitude tonight with this or whenever you listen to this. Um, but, again, we thank you for listening, even Sweet with the up. attitude. <laughs> um, and, and, again, if you like what you hear, share it. Right? If you don't like what you hear, don't share it. Don't share it. Go somewhere else. You know, there's going to be people there tonight. I guarantee you there will be pastors tonight that listen regularly who won't listen after tonight. When I get done with these pastors tonight, they will tune me out and forget all about me. Guarantee it. Might be a rabbi or two that does it too, but I don't think so. They're a little more careful. You know, regular listeners know that I spent most of my life working with livestock, uh, particularly large animal reproduction. Um, so I think I'm more than qualified to examine a to- this topic I'm going to talk about tonight from a couple points of view. Uh, nutrition is extremely important to raising livestock, right? You know, if you want good quality animals, you need to keep them well-fed and well-bred. You've got to you've got to start with good stock, and you've got to maintain their nutritional needs, and you've got to maintain their reproductive lines to ensure you get good quality animals. Now, of course, for cattle and sheep and horses, that means lush green grass. As much as they, well, I won't say as much as they can get because they can founder on it, but too, you know, too much of a good thing is a bad thing, right? But it means, you know, for cattle, sheep, and horses, green grass. Goats, however, they're more of a browser. They like the, the leaves off of the woody plants, you know, the, the vines and the ivies and the, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, when David writes Psalm 23, um, he writes that he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's in verse 2. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, David is not saying that the Creator will body slam you in tall grass. Okay? <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> I don't think Meyer's the only one that got the image. <laughs> you still may be picked up and slammed down in tall grass. You know what I'm saying, though, right? It, it just doesn't happen like that. What he is saying... He said he's giving you the chance to be in lush green grass, having the best food available. Now, if you've ever been around livestock, um, I'm not sure there's anything more satisfying than seeing healthy livestock in about belly-high grass that's lush and green, well-watered. It just makes everything easier to work with. The animals are more content. They're more happy. Uh, you know, the people who are working with them are more content. They're more happy. <laughs> it's, it's just the way it works. And, and this isn't just a metaphor. It's more of an analogy that David's using. But, but the metaphor there is in this as well. Um, Remember, 
Remember that Yeshua, remember Jesus, is recorded in Matthew 4.4 4, as he repeats what's written in Deuteronomy 8.3. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Everything the Creator tells us is good for us. It nourishes our soul. It nourishes our spirit, just like that lush green grass would nourish choice livestock. It would be choice food for choice livestock. The Word of our Creator is choice spiritual food for us. It's that simple. However, the the seasons in the world... The weather in the world doesn't always cooperate with having lush green grass year-round. Um, <laughs> that presents a problem when you're raising livestock. Because they still have to eat. They don't care if it's winter, they're still hungry. Um, you know, the, the, the warm spring, the water that flows in the spring, the, the summer in the northern hemisphere anyway, you know, it gives way to fall and winter. Grass dies. Some areas of the world, you know, they go through rainy seasons, they go through dry seasons. Lack of rain causes grass to be less nutritious. It, you get enough lack of rain, it just dies off. But mankind was given a way to maintain food for livestock by harvesting hay. Now, over the centuries, the quality of hay was always very poor, but in the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, techniques actually improved. Uh, They began to recognize that uh, certain grasses did better for hay. Um, they, They maintained their nutrient values longer. The way it was processed, the way it was put up, was also improved somewhat. It's kind of hard to beat loose hay. It just keeps better that way. Um, <laughs> we, we can test for nutrients today. You know, we know how much, what, what the protein content is. We can tell what the mineral content is for minerals in the hay. So we have all of this technique and all of this information. We have the... Uh, the ability, I guess would be a good way to say it, through our agricultural practice to irrigate properly, to harvest the grasses when they're at their peak uh, so that you know we have the best hay quality in history, really. But it's still hay. It's not lush green grass. It may have been once, but it's been cut it's been separated from its root system. It's been separated from the things that gives it nutrients. It's been dried out. It's been processed. And even though um, it's edible, (laughs) it's not prime feed, right? Now, some of you might go, I know where he's going with this. But be careful. Be careful. You know, even the best grasses harvested at the right time under the best conditions, if they're not kept and maintained properly, they can get moldy. 
right? They can turn into something that you don't want to feed your animals. Myra's making faces because she's, she knows what that's <laughs> like. <laughs> um, it, it basically becomes unusual in most circumstances. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. Because here's where we're going. Depending on which translation of the Bible you read in English, you might not find much out about hay in the Bible. Because it's often called fodder or it's called chaff. You know, I've looked and cannot find any of these words used in a really positive context in the Bible. It's very, very difficult to find um, something that's been cut down, dried up, and stored away in a positive context. Isn't that amazing? Myers going to read just a couple of verses about what we find. When hay is removed and new growth appears, the grain from the hills is gathered. Proverbs 24, verse 25. But the water of Nephraim has dried up. The grass has dried up. All the plants are dead. Nothing green is left. Isaiah 16, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 15, verse 16. Does a wild donkey bray over fresh grass or an ox low over its fodder? Jacob, chapter 6, verse 5. They get... They gather the fodder in the fields and glean the vineyards of the wicked. Job chapter 24, verse 6. These are both from Job. Did I misspell something? No, I got it right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. You know, so what we see is hay or fodder is always used in a negative context. Solomon writes, when the hay is removed, So when all that dry stuff comes out of the field, that's when we see the new grass come up. Have you ever, you know, depending on where you live in the world, if you mow your lawn and you let the dead grass sit on it, kind of in a pile, what happens? It kills what's underneath of it, right? But then when you rake it off, you know, what was underneath of it that was dead starts to come back. It's that simple. It's the way life works in plants. Job asks if the wild donkey will bray over even good grass. Now, I want want you to, to think about how the wild donkey, let's consider the wild donkey for a moment, an unbeliever. Would an unbeliever praise the word of the Almighty? Probably not. Would the wild donkey bray over his grass? The good stuff. If he's not, if he's not going to be thankful for the good stuff, what's he going to say when he gets hay? He goes on, would, you know, would the ox not give thanks over its fodder? You know, it'll keep you alive. 
but it's not the best there is. No matter how good it is, it's still not the best there is. It's not pure. Even though farmers around the world use it every day. Every day, we, you know, our, our farming, our agricultural practices worldwide have readily accepted um, hay as an alternative to good grass. Even, even when there's good grass available. Let, let that sink in just a little bit. Next, and think about that next time you go to the market. Later in Job, we see in a very negative context, gathering hay in the field and picking through the vineyards of the wicked. You're going to go out and and you're going to rake up all the stuff that's been cut off. And then you're going to go gather the sour grapes. That's not a very positive thing to think about, is it? Hmm. Doesn't get much worse than that. and I've got to mention this, the narrative that we have in Luke 2 would suggest that when Mary put the baby in the manger, it was laying on hay. Now that word is not used in Luke 2, but that would be the thought process there. That would be uh, inferred. So think about that, Christians. When, When Yeshua was born... He was laid in something that was cut off and separated from the original, the nutrients. I'll let you, I'll let you Christians worry about how to work that out. I've got, I've got some other things to talk about. And here is where the pastors who listen are going to get nervous. Because I'm going to ask you a direct question. What have you been feeding your flocks? Have you been giving them lush green grass? Or have you cut that off and dried it up and you're feeding something else? Now, I know some of you uh, might bring up Paul, but Paul said, yeah. And, and I get to use some more really good analogies here. Um, we're going to let Myra read a passage just for fun. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for solid food. In fact, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? 1 Corinthians 3 Verse 1 through 3. Now, here's where I'm going to disagree with Paul. (laughs) Had he fed them choice food and not tried to keep them as children, there might have been a different outcome here, right? Paul's telling the Corinthians they weren't ready to be weaned. And this should actually be sufficient uh, to stop a lot of the arguments that come from the rest of the letters of Paul. But, it, you know, you're not ready. I'm explaining this to you in baby steps. You know, that's why he 
you know, Paul, Paul knew he wasn't real smart. So he often goes back and paraphrases what you're going to find in Moses and the prophets. Yeah, it's rattling a little bit. It's all right. But here, you know, Paul says, you, you just weren't quite ready for it. So when he's talking to the Gentiles, he knows that they don't have the background. He's not going to force feed it to them. But what he probably would have been better off doing was not babying them so long. You know, take them by the hand and let them do uh, what young animals do when it comes to eating. But he's attempting to change them from being in their sin-filled self-lives, self-pitiful lives that they were in, and he's trying to establish a righteous relationship with the Creator for them, getting them a little bit. And, and yes, that's kind of what Give God Nani does, but, you know, Paul was with the Corinthians for a couple of years. We give you 90 days. So, you know, check out GiveGodNinety.com. It's all laid out right there. How to go from where you are, not to where you might want to be, but on the right road to where you want to be. Paul was with them for about two years. And they still had questions, and that's completely understandable. I've been studying this in depth and in detail for 20 years, hard time, and I still got questions. And that's kind of the way it's supposed to be. Think about that. You're you're not supposed to get it all at one time. You know, you don't get one good meal in your life. And that's all there is. You get fed continuously. We should always be feeding on the lush green grass. Not having somebody chop it off, dry it out, and dump it in the dirt for us, like so many are apt to do. And yes, pastors, I am telling you that's what you've been doing. You see, once the sacred word of our Creator is chopped up by mistranslation or man-made agenda driven by misinterpretation, it's no longer pure. Paul tells the Corinthians they're not ready for grass. He's kept them on milk way too long. If you've ever watched a, a newborn calf or a newborn lamb, you know, in a day or two, yeah, they're still nursing. They'll, they'll nurse in, you know, until they're weaned. But a day or two, they start picking around. They start getting that grass and, you know, licking it, and, and they're nuzzling it, and they're getting their nose down in it, and they're figuring out what it is. Now, if a newborn, couple-day-old calf or a couple-day-old lamb is smart enough to want to get that grass, the good stuff, and it's only, you know, maybe a couple days after that that they take that first bite and it 
it's pretty good. In fact, if you have a calf on good pasture, that calf should gain about two pounds a day between if it's pre-weaning, so it's still getting milk and it's getting grass, they should gain about two pounds a day. Minimal. If they're not doing that, you don't have them on good grass. You need to change pastures. But at a couple of days old, they're not quite, you know, they're figuring it out. They want to get there. And that's the way the Corinthians were. They wanted to figure it out. And Paul's like, you just weren't ready. But I don't think Paul was ready for all their questions. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dancing on your toes, Pastor. I know I am. What are you feeding your flock? Are you giving them the pure words from the Creator? Or are you giving them those cute little milky Bible stories? If that. Some of you might be guilty of giving dry hay. and You wonder why the faces in your congregation keep changing. You know, if the only message that people hear is the corrupted word that's been cut off and mixed with denominational doctrine and tradition, they're not going to stay around very long. Maybe that's why a lot of churches think they need to entertain people to keep them around, keep them in the fellowship. What people want are straight answers. They want that green grass that nourishes the soul. I, I heard pastors speak a long time ago, and they were standing around talking about you know, how they preach. You know, one of them says, well, when I started out, you know, I, I could speak on an entire chapter. And then eventually I got to the point where I could, I'm sorry, an entire book. And eventually I got to where I could, could preach pretty good on a chapter. And the other, the older pastor said, well, that's pretty good. But when you can preach on a single verse or on a single word, that's when you know you've, you've reached your peak. And regular listeners know that I like to pick on words. But I usually start on the words first, and then what do we do? We put them in, we define them for what they are, and then we put them in context. I haven't had to read an entire uh, uh, chapter yet to get it in context. Usually, I can do that uh, in just a, a few, in well, sometimes lengthy passage. <laughs> <laughs> But you've got to put these things in context. And when I look back and I think about that conversation, they've got it wrong. How I stumbled into getting, figuring it out, I don't know other than divine intervention. But when you can, when you identify that there's a problem with the way we're defining words, you can put it back together and then put it in the proper context. You don't need to, to interpret anything. It's already there for you. All you have to do is understand it the way the people that that passage was written to directly would have understood it. 
that's the hard part sometimes. So no, I don't like cutting off, you know, anything from its nutrient. In fact, what I what we try to do is graft those words back together. Because where do I usually go with them? Straight back to the original language. That's putting everything back together, trying to get it into context so that when I tell you to live the way you're designed to live, the example is already laid out for you. It And it is. It, it's you know, practically anything you want the answer to in modern life has already been laid out for you. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. That's the third time I've heard that today. <laughs> and, and the reality is it's, it's there. All we have to do is follow the instructions. It's not rocket science. It's Bible. It's not, you know, it's so simple a seven-year-old child can understand it. So, <laughs> pastors, stop feeding junk. And if you are sitting in a place where you are not hearing lush green grass being spoken, I encourage you to, number one, politely speak to the pastor, the rabbi, whoever it is that's delivering that, um, and suggest to them, well, just tell them to listen to me. I'll get them straightened out. <laughs> you knew I had to say that, right? I, 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 here's something even better for you. Buy a copy of Tradition to Truth, One Man's Search for Ghanist Answers, a copy of God's Universe, God's Rules, and a copy of Inheriting Lies. Give that to your pastor and say, you should read these, and you'll find out why you have problems. You'll find out why you see changing faces. You'll find out what's happening because you're not living the way you're supposed to be living. And that's not a sales pitch. That's getting them back on path. I don't, that's getting them back on their path. You know, I, I said when I finished Inheriting Lives, it should be on the desk of every, every seminary student for the next eight years because at the end of eight years, there wouldn't be any seminaries left. They wouldn't need them. If everybody did what was in that book, if every if everybody who wanted to lead a congregation of people or a group of believers or a fellowship would read that book and do what's in it and teach what's in it, there would be no need for pastors or rabbis anymore because the people would have everything they need. They wouldn't go to church. They would be the church. They wouldn't go to fellowship. They would be a fellowship. It wouldn't matter what's happening to the world around them because they would they would be so ingrained in the Word and so trusting in the Creator Himself 
that we could solve a whole lot of problems. But it's going to take a while. And I'm not sure that the world's got that much time left. And I'm not, you know, I'm not an end of the world kind of person. But I know it's getting closer every day. What, and, and I know I've said this before, what you put in your body is important. If you put good food in, you get good health out, right? If you put, and I've said this before too, if you put gasoline in a diesel automobile, it's not going to run. If you put junk into your body, it's not going to perform properly. If you put junk into your heart, if you put junk into your soul, if you put junk into your mind, it's not going to work right. But if you put lush green grass, the lush green grass that is the word of the Almighty in your heart, it'll work properly. It's that simple. So, two questions. Number one for pastors specifically, what are you going to feed? And for everybody else, what are you going to eat? Because most of the time, you have a choice. You get to choose who you listen to, and you get to choose who you ignore. And there's going to be a whole lot of pastors after this one that say, oh, you, you don't need to listen to him anymore. He's way out there somewhere. No. I just put things in perspective. And I know how to put it in perspective in a way that a lot more people are going to understand what I just said tonight than if I use some fancy Bible words. So, until Monday... We wish you many, many blessings, everyone.